0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve him in a deeper way. Well, it really is good to see you here this morning. You're looking great. I hope you're doing well. Um, this morning, as we've gathered together, for those of you who may be here for the first time, this is your first experience here at uh, Temple Baptist, I just wanted to say, we are so thrilled uh, that you would uh, share part of your weekend with us here this morning. Uh, my name is Donald, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my privilege this morning to be able to open up God's word to you. Last week, we began a brand new series. Anybody know what it's called? Oh, you were listening. True! a brand new series called Flaw. We're actually studying individuals in the Bible who for a lack of a better word, were flawed. People just like you and me. People who had issues (laughs) just like you and me. If I asked you by a show of hands, how many people um, have felt totally inadequate because you failed one too many times? I am sure 99.9% of our hands would all go up. Yeah, Donald. I know what that's like. Well, let me tell you, I have some great news for you today. There is a flawless God who offers a flawless grace for flawed people like you and me. My friend, that's good news. That's good news this morning. This morning, we're gonna be looking at four verses, four verses in the book of Matthew So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. If you're a little unfamiliar uh, with the Bible, Matthew is the first book uh, in the New Testament. It's like the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Matthew is the first out of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the word gospel means good news. So really, we're gonna be reading good news this morning from the book of Matthew. Now some people, maybe if you're a little unfamiliar with the Bible, you may say, why would you start a book study in chapter eight? (laughs) I don't even know what's happened in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. Shouldn't we know what's happened before so we can have a better understanding of chapter eight? Yes, I agree. So I'm gonna take the next hour to do a review of chapter one through seven before we get to eight. No, I won't, but I will say That in chapter five, six, and seven, Jesus is actually on the side of a mountain and he's speaking to a multitude of people. And they're listening to every word that he says. He is saying things and doing things that they have never heard before. And he speaks with such authority, yet with compassion. And so the multitudes are listening. And during this teaching moment, we often refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached. And both Christian people and non-Christian people quote it all the time. Anytime you you see in the news about a peace treaty being signed, they'll refer to the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, As Christians, oftentimes we'll quote, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after God. It's a well-known sermon, the most famous sermon of all. And so Jesus has been teaching all day, and now he's going down the side of the mountain, and the people are following him. The crowds won't let him go. I mean, they're, they're so enamored with him. And as he's coming down the mountain, we run into chapter 8. Chapter 8 of Matthew. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, you can also, or an electronic device, you can also look at the screen. I believe we're going to have it up there for you as well. It says, when he came down from the mountainside, this is Jesus, large crowds were following him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And may God use this story once again to demonstrate to us the amazing grace of God. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, we pray that you'll make yourself real to us. Lord, I pray that if there'd be anything in here this morning that would be divisive, I just pray, Lord, we get rid of those things. Lord, all the distractions of life, help us to put those things aside. And God, help us to see you In this story, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When you first read this story, it would be easy to go, well, you know, this is just another story about Jesus doing a miraculous healing of someone's disease. But let me tell you, there is so much more, much more than perhaps what you catch at your first eye's uh, glimpse, or, or first time you glance at it, or the first time you read through that. Because inside this story, is your story. This story is our story. This story tells us a truth that really is beyond our wildest imagination. This story tells a truth that literally will blow our minds. You know what that truth is? That you don't have to come to God, you don't have to clean yourself up first before you come to God. That is a powerful truth that is being taught in this scripture. You don't have to clean yourself up first before you come to God. I mean, this story is so eye-opening, it's so encouraging. It allows us to breathe a sigh of relief that everything doesn't rest on our shoulders. This story is everything that I was hoping for. This story is everything I ever wanted to hear. This story is the story that really our city needs to hear. Our city of Sarnia needs to know you do not have to clean yourself up first before you come to God. And that truth alone should cause us a shout with the praise, not a, isn't that cute? Nice little truth, Donald. It's just an amen. Is that not an amen worthy? Amen. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God. That's what we learn from this truth. This piece of news is everything that is hard for us to believe that a holy God would want us just the way we are. This is not normal thinking. And yet it's. Biblical teaching. And that's what we call the amazing grace of God. And let me tell you, there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it, the amazing grace of God. As I have said so many times before, it is so hard for us to get our minds wrapped around the grace of God. And this story really demonstrates just how shocking the grace of God really is. Everything that makes sense to us is now challenged in the story that we have just read. So let's look at the story a little closer. I don't know if you've ever had a really, really, really bad cold. Like, you know, like a flu, like a really, really bad flu, and you got the shakes, and you know, you're all stuffed up, and uh, you've got a sinus infection, and um, you got double ear infection, and you got a throat infection, and you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my, I don't have any more sick days. I have to go to work. And, and you walk into work, and everyone shuns you. Like, why are you here? Like, get away from me, I don't want what you have. Why would you come? Get better before you come. And You're feeling the love, you know, from the office. And then your boss comes out and says the same thing, what are you doing here, get away from us. Nobody wants to be your friend. And all you do is wanna come and you know, go to work and make a living to pay your bills. Well you know this is exactly how people think church and Christianity is alike. That somehow you have to clean up yourself. You gotta be a lot better before you walk into our doors or come to God. That somehow you need to have a little bit of control over your struggles before you come to God. Or that you need to have some deliverance from your addictions before you come to God. But let me tell you, that is a misconception. A complete misconception. And maybe, just maybe the church is guilty. Maybe we have given that impression. Sometimes we just think that you have to clean yourself up before you walk through the doors of a church or before you... Come to God. Sometimes people just think, I know God's looking down and he's so disappointed in me that I'm just hoping I can do enough stuff, kind of clean up my act so he would accept me. And what we find here is the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that you have to clean up your act first before you come to God. That's not the God that the Bible presents and teaches and speaks about. Matthew 8, verse 1-4 is absolutely an incredible story. As I said, Jesus has been teaching the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds are following, they're very close, you can just imagine as they're coming down the mountain, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people split. The crowd splits in half, and people are backing away from Jesus. You know why? Because a leper, a man full of leprosy, has walked into the crowd and everybody's moving away because they don't want to be contaminated with what he has. And the leper throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you're willing, I know, I know you could heal me. And Jesus does what no one else would do. When everyone is backing away, the Bible says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And immediately, He was cleansed. Jesus says, I am willing. He says, be clean. And immediately, it's gone. Not almost gone, completely gone. And then Jesus says something that I find very um, strange to be honest with you. He says now to the leper, he says, now that you've been healed, don't tell anybody. Like, don't tell anybody? (laughs) Really, don't tell anybody? There's a a multitude of people have just probably seen the very first miracle of their life, somebody was filled with leprosy and now he's been totally healed. How are you gonna keep that story under wraps? Uh, Last week, last Monday, Pastor Glenn and I drove down to Kansas City and joined our missionary, um, Jeff and Naomi Palmer, who are missionaries in Papua. And their three children and their coworkers in Papua were, was competing in the show, The American Ninja Warrior. And so we wanted to go down, it's like a fitness show, and so we wanted to go down and cheer on our missionaries. And, but before we went into the taping, all of us had to sign this agreement. We will not speak about anything that we have seen here today. Because they taped it last week, but the show's not on TV till June, so they don't want any spoiler alerts. In fact, it says... If you do speak of it, you'll receive a $20,000 fine. American money, by the way. (laughs) So my lips are sealed. But let me tell you, no one has signed an agreement like that on this crowd. And Jesus said, don't tell anyone. Why not? Like, why not Jesus? Like, you're at the height of your ministry. You're you're like a rock star. People are following you. This is the time, as I said before, strike the iron while it's hot. Let people know who you are. And I thought, why? Lord, why wouldn't you want everyone to know what you're able to do? And as I was thinking about that, I I thought about one of the lessons I learned in Bible uh, school. I would have a professor who would say over and over again to me, never, never, Donald, let the methods overshadow the message and i guess thinking about that with what jesus has just done here and it seems as jesus didn't want the miracles to get in the way of the message because see jesus didn't come to offer universal health care he came to resurrect the dead that's jesus and so he says just go tell the priest so you can re-enter into society well what exactly what exactly is leprosy It's more than just the measles and the mumps. It's far worse than the chicken pox. It's not common today, but it was very common in Jesus' day. Let me tell you some of the things about leprosy. This disease kills you from the inside. It wars against your own body. It attacks and takes over your nervous system. This disease is very contagious. Lepers become deformed and disfigured with this disease. Because over time, as the disease progressed, fingers begin to literally just fall off. Toes begin to fall off. Your nose falls off. Your voice gets hoarse. You eventually go blind. Children would have been terrified to see a man or a woman who had full-blown leprosy. Uh, Adults would have gasped and said, get away from me, get away from me. And then the disease would numb all of your senses that you couldn't feel anything. In fact, I read somewhere that says, a good day, if a leper could feel pain, it was a good day because he could feel something. Because eventually he got so numb that he felt nothing. But one of the worst things, I think, about being a leper is you're an outcast. You're an outcasts lepers were like dead men walking and that um, disease would progress over time and get worse and worse it got more painful Uh, maybe something we can compare to when you think of cancer how when it just continues to grow and grow and, and you see some sometimes we've seen our loved ones just suffer with the pain of cancer well this is his life one morning he wakes up and he notices He notices a little rash and wonders what it is. Does what you and I would do. Makes an appointment for the doctor and he receives the dreaded news. Just like nobody wants to hear the word cancer when you go to a doctor, he hears the word, you've got leprosy. So he immediately knows what that means. No more do I get to hug my kids. No more do I get to go on a walk and hold my wife's hand. No more do we get to go on family vacations to the beach. No more do I get to go to the job and provide for my family. No more do I get to hang out with my buddies for a a round of golf. The life that he knew has now come to an end and he must face a new reality. A reality of loneliness, a reality of pain, the reality of depression, the reality of anguish, and the list goes on. His days were numbered. He literally had a death sentence. In Leviticus, I'm just gonna quickly read it to you. In Leviticus, it actually tells us about what you have to do if you have such a disease. Let me just uh, read it to you, Leviticus chapter 13 verse 45 it says the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes let his hair be unkept cover the lower part of his face and cry out unclean unclean as long as he has the infection he remains unclean he must live alone he must live outside the city so The Bible says, if you're a leper, you dress like a crazy man, you're unkept, you look like a wild person, just so people can recognize you, and you must live by yourself, alone. That's what this man had to face. Emotionally, this man's a wreck. No human touch. Imagine, no human touch. Every study. So that they do on this, and, and doctors say it over and over again. When there's no human touch, your life gets messed up. And people with no human touch are prone to more violence and more anxiety and more depression. Like for him, he knows my life is over. It would never will be normal again. But God. He has an encounter with Jesus, and everything changes. Like, everything changes. This story is our story. This is our story. I don't know if you realize this morning, but we have a curse that will kill us from the inside. It's called sin, and sin affects us all and it's from the inside. Sin is worse than leprosy because it has eternal consequences. And leprosy is like a picture of sin, actually. In fact, all through the Bible, it's used as an example of sin, how it can destroy your life. So let me show you a couple comparisons between leprosy and our sin. Number one, leprosy, it kills you from the inside. Well, so does sin. It's what's inside that affects you. Things like inside of you, like lust, anger, bitterness, all from the inside. And you don't have to work at having any of those. Nobody comes to New Year's Eve and make a New Year's resolutions and say, you know what, I've had so much peace in my life, I'm gonna work on some bitterness this year. No, that's all inside of us. Leprosy. It cuts you off. Cut cuts you off from your family, from your friends, any kind of relationship that you ever knew. And sin, it cuts us off from God. Our relationship with God. And sin is like that disease that affects everyone. It literally affects the entire human race. Leprosy. It numbs you. I said that earlier, it numbs the pain that you feel. And you know what, sin does exactly the same thing. It numbs you. The first time you have a hangover, you're like, you wake up the next day, and you're like, why, why would I do that? And then before long, you start looking forward to the weekend, hanging out with a guy so you can get smashed. It just kind of numbs you. First time, you give away your virginity and you go, man, what did I do that for? What? Like, why would I do that? How could I have done that? And now it becomes just a way of life. Living for the weekend just to see who you can hook up with. See how sin just numbs you? Sin numbs you to its effects that it has. Leprosy. It destroys your appearance. You know, sin does the same thing. Sin distorts your appearance. After a while, it becomes very unattractive. What seemed to be confidence now has turned into pride. What was once determination now has turned into anger. What was a little flirting is a full-blown lust. Lust. What was first conscientious now has turned into self-centeredness. A sin distorts our appearance. Girls, imagine if you were to get together with your friends and you say, you know, girls, I have put a list together of the qualities I'm looking for in a man. And the first thing on the list, I'm looking for a man who is greedy. No, no one says that, not attractive. Imagine your daughter comes home and says, mom, I met this really cute guy at work, like he's amazing, he's so cute, and he has an anger problem, and I love it. (laughs) No, that's not attractive, is it? Or your son comes home, mom and dad, I've just met the girl of my dreams. She's awesome. She is so self-centered and I love it. <laughs> no. Sin is not attractive. And after a while, it begins to distort your appearance. Leprosy in this day was Incurable and sin on our own is incurable because you can't fix it yourself. Something has to come from outside. Your immune system is not strong enough to fix the problem. Now today, you know, you can get some medication to help you with this disease, leprosy, but it still takes something from the outside to fix your problem, and the reality is we cannot fix our sin problem. It takes help from the outside. I don't care how highly disciplined you are or that you're a type A personality. You cannot fix this problem yourself. Sin like leprosy is incurable on your own. And just like this leper in the story, there is nothing he could do but Christ alone. Christ alone was the only one who could cure him. And the Bible says he threw himself at Jesus' feet. By the way, what this man does is illegal. You do a little bit of study of history, and it says he walked into the crowd, and the people are just you know backing off, and they're saying, back off, back off, back off, back up, back up. See, it was illegal. Right? We read it there in Leviticus, they had to live outside the town. In fact, one rabbi wrote that if, if somebody with leprosy were to walk into the city, they should be killed. That should be the punishment for breaking the law, that they would bring and infect uh, people around them. Jesus, he comes to the point, just Jesus, like, you alone are the one who can cure me. Jesus, you alone, he comes, you alone are my only hope, Lord, and I throw myself at your mercy. You could save me, Lord. Would you save me? You know, a Christian really is just someone who literally throws themselves under the mercy of God. And Jesus says, you know, I'm here actually to save you. Christ alone is the cure. Let me tell you, we are the leper In this story that's you and i we need to throw ourselves unto the lord if you ever become a christian it's because you threw yourself under the mercy of god christ alone when you read through the sermon on the mount those three previous chapters Every turn, as you're reading through, you're listening to him teach. And one of the things that you notice is that he makes it pretty obvious that nobody is good enough. I read the Sermon on the Mount, I'm like, he keeps just pointing over and over again. Nobody's good enough. Nobody's perfect enough. Because, you know, he says, you think you're good because you haven't murdered anybody. But Jesus says, no, the standard is much higher than that. He says, if you're angry at somebody... It's as though you've murdered somebody. Uh, Jesus says, you know, you, you feel so good because you haven't physically committed adultery. You say, you know, I'm a virgin, I haven't done that. Yet the Bible says, Jesus says, but if, you committed, if you've had lust in your heart, you've, you've committed adultery. See, the standards are so high that nobody can reach them except Christ and Christ alone. I mean, I think this is the point of the story that Jesus is trying to, you can't do it on your own. But I am perfect. I'm the one who can handle this situation. And when Jesus says you need to be perfect, he doesn't mean like pretty good. He means perfection. And as they come down the mountain, Jesus is going to show them an illustration with a leper that will reinforce what he's been teaching to them all along on the mountain. Throw yourself on God. He wants people to recognize that you need me to be saved. It's like Jesus saying, I'm gonna show you an illustration to show you what I've been talking all about on the mountainside. He's like, this is the point I've been trying to make. Listen, Christianity is not about being a good person. Christ did not come to make us good people. If that's what you think, you don't really have a good understanding of what the Bible teaches. See, Christ came to make you alive. To heal the sin that is killing people from the inside. See, we were dead in our sins, and Christ alone is the cure for our sin that's what christianity is all about that's what it's all about me throwing myself under christ and he alone doing the work i mean how crazy would it have been on that day to have witnessed what took place for you to see like you imagine you being in the crowd and and you see this leper who is deformed and disfigured and then right before your eyes you're like, I, I can't believe what I just saw. I, I can't believe what I just saw. Like, you're in shock. You're speechless. You're, you're like, your mind is blown. You've just seen the miraculous, a life change. Well, you know, that happens, actually, almost every week around here. Miraculous life change. Uh, I think we need to do better. I I agree. We need to do better as a church to share those stories of life change that take place here almost every week. We gather together, sometimes a staff meeting, and Miss Catherine, who works with our children, will come in and tell us some, some story about some child and you're like, about some life change. You're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Pastor Dave will share sometimes some stories about our young people and how God is transforming them. You're like, wow. I hear stories from small groups, you know, I, I, uh, I know stuff happens right here in the pew. People get saved sitting right there. I get texts sometimes and messages sometimes that say, I gave my life to Christ and now I'm 30 days sober. Hey, I gave my life to Christ and it's been 46 days with no drugs. It's life change. And it happens all the time. It is so awesome to see someone who is no longer a person in captive? It's awesome to see sin lose its grip. And if you're in this room, and you would say, "It all sounds really good, Donald," it does. It sounds really good. But like, I, I don't think you understand how deep I've gone. Like, I have wrecked my life. And if that's what you're thinking, that you've gone too far, you, you really don't understand who God is. Your view of God is distorted, because he doesn't wait till you clean yourself up first. I mean, can you imagine how hopeless the situation would have been if the leper thought to himself, before I go to Jesus, well, I, I should get a new outfit, I should clean myself up, maybe get some makeup and try to cover it up so I, at least I look half decent? No, he would, have been hope- he would have been helpless and hopeless for sure if he had to clean himself up. But that's not what he does. He comes and he throws him onto himself to Jesus. Jesus, you are my only hope. I think there's probably some in this room who would say, I don't think God wants anything to do with me. Because I will, um, I'll never have the life that I I dreamed about. I'll never have the marriage that I wanted. Because I've made some very, very poor decisions in my past. Let me tell you, your past, your past does not hold you back. Your past does not need to be a predictor of your future. God will not define you by your past. But some of you, have bought into that lie. Christ alone can cure what holds you back. Christ's compassion toward this leper is the same compassion that he offers to you and me. Like Jesus is filled with compassion here. This guy comes, Lord, I have no other place to go. There's no other place. There's nothing I can do. I've tried everything. And he just says, Lord, would you? Would you heal me so I could go back and hug my kids again? Would Would you be so kind to heal me so I could hold my wife's hand again? Would you? And filled with compassion, Jesus heals him before he does anything right, and before you and I do anything right, God is reaching out to us. Before we ever clean ourselves up, like he has made the first move. I feel like he's, he's there with his arms wide open just waiting. In my small group, one of our members John Freire, I some of you may know him, he, he's the hugger in our group. And uh, as everyone's leaving, he's got his arms open, waiting to make eye contact. And he's like, bring it in, bring it in. And I feel like that's what God does. He's got his arms open, wide. bring it in, bring it in. Someone always makes the first move, and God has made the first move. You know, you think of guys and girls' relationships like somebody's made the first move. You know, maybe a guy happens to see a girl that he's kind of attracted to, and he notices that she's um, changing her brakes. And uh, he comes, I, I don't know if that I'm sure girls do that, and he comes along and says, hey, I, uh, have you seen this puppy? Right? He makes that first move. You know, a girl maybe uh, sees a guy that she thinks is of cute, and so she does some baking, and just happens to double the recipe and comes over, you know, with her tray of cookies and says, You know, I, I noticed that your six pack, um, that maybe you should put some more flesh on there. So I'm bringing some cookies over to you. <laughs> like, or like somebody makes the first move in the relationship. And God has done that. God has made the first move. You know, God loves the unclean. Like he loves. He loves the broken. He loves the messed up. He loves the hopeless. He loves the helpless. He loves sinners. In, in fact, if you go over to chapter 9, you'll read, Jesus says, I did not come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous people. I came for the unrighteous people and Jesus says I can give your life back like I did to the leper and he touches him. The crowd backs away but Jesus gets close and touches him. You know Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that but he wanted to do it. He wanted to help him. He touches a man who has not been touched in years. Can you imagine, can you imagine if you called your doctor, you're sick, you call your doctor, he's on the phone, hey doc, I got some, I got some, I got some health issues. Oh yeah, what, what are they? He says, well, you say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of having some chest pains. Um, and um, I feel like I'm short of breath. I feel like there's a pain going down my arm. I feel a, a little numbness. And the doctor says to you, Well, you know what? When you get better, call me. You can come stop by the office. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's crazy. But that's exactly how we think we need to do with God. That somehow we have to get better, clean ourselves up first, before we can come to Him. Jesus says, I'm the one who can make you clean. It's like Jesus says, This is why I exist. And he reaches out, not because he has to, but because he wants to, and because he loves you. You know, this is why we do what we do around here at Temple Baptist Church. You wanna know why we do what we do around here? Because we have a message that we want people to know that you do not have to clean yourself up first. And we want every street and every cul-de-sac and every corner and every space in this city to know you do not need to clean yourself up first before you come to God. Too many people have bought into the lie that they have to clean themselves up first. Is it no wonder? Is it no wonder people want nothing to do with God if they think that's what God's all about? that I have to get myself fixed up because they look at themselves and go, there's no way that's gonna happen, so why even bother? And some people believe that, and I think sometimes people believe that because the church has given an impression that God loves cleaned up versions of people. And some people believe that because they've never been told anything different. God loves you right where you are. And I'm here today to proclaim to you that you do not, you do not need to clean yourself up first before you come to God. See, his grace is greater. Like his grace always extends farther than any mess up you've ever made in your life. That's why we call it the amazing grace of God. The Bible does not teach that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. It teaches forgiven people go to heaven. We all needed someone to fix. We all needed someone from the outside to fix what is wrong on the inside of us. And his name is Jesus. And honestly, he is our only hope. Like he is our only hope. And he saw us in our desperate need. And that's why he sent someone. He sent a savior. And if you don't know Jesus, today could be your day. This morning could be your morning. When you finally recognize, I don't have to clean myself up first. Before I come to God. And I think some of us really struggle that God could be that good. Let me tell you, he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. If you don't remember anything I said today, please remember this one truth. You do not need to clean yourself up before you come to God. We call it the amazing grace of God. Let's pray. Uh, Father this morning we thank you that for the few moments we were able to look into your word and we thank you that as we read through the Bible and study lives who have been flawed that there is a flawless God who offers a flawless grace to people who are messed up who are train wrecks or people like me A train wreck you saw us in our need and you did something about it you came you came and you lived among us and then you died a very cruel death it should have been us on the cross but no you said I'll take their place and you took upon yourself our sin and so Lord this morning I I, I pray for those who who perhaps really don't know Jesus Maybe they just know some things about you, but they really don't know you. And God, our prayer is this morning that they would truly understand that they do not need to clean themselves up first. God takes people just the way they are. And he does the work. So Lord, this morning, do